Welcome to the New Hope Leeward podcast. Can we thank our church family for sharing their, their stories with us? Good morning, New Hope Leeward. My name is Josiah. I'm the senior pastor here at the church. Welcome everybody joining us here at our Coppola campus. Those of you joining us online, we are so glad that you are here. With a uh, new year, we're starting a new series called Why We Exist. And in this series, we're talking about your purpose as an individual and how that fits into our collective body as a church. Now, I started coming to New Hope Leeward in 2013. Now, let me tell you um, why that's amazing for multiple reasons. Um, First and foremost, uh, I was a pastor's kid. A lot of you know that. And so I grew up promising, promising, promising the Lord that I would never, ever become a pastor. You can see that's going very well, that plan that I had for my own life. And secondly, I grew up on the east side of the island. So I've told you this before, like we grew up in Huaikai, and this is uh, not a joke. I'm not rich, by the way. I know everybody thinks that immediately when I say Huaikai. And we were taught in, uh, back in the day in Huaikai that the only thing waiting for us on this side of the island was cracks. Amen? That's it. That's all you get. You can't go past Waikele. And I know you think that I'm making this up. My brother visited last year. He's almost 50 now. And I took him hiking in Waianae. And as we're driving into Waianae, he legit turns to me and says, are we allowed to go here? And I was like, you're not, but I am. You know? <laughs> I'm just going to call up the leeward ushers if we get into a scrap. You know, they'll, they'll back me up. They got my back. And uh, <laughs> when I came to this church, I'm not, I'm not joking. We, we, um, the campus that we're going to eventually move to, I'll talk more about that in the coming uh, weeks, Um, was right by Waipahu, right by Eva Beach. It was the first time when I visited this church, it was the first time I had ever been near Eva Beach in my entire life. And so I was on, you know, as a Howley, I was on high alert. And as I was getting ready to pull, this true story, as I was getting ready to pull into the parking lot, I get stopped at this streetlight. You know, you can feel when the guy next to you is just staring at you. It was one of those things. And he starts going, wait, 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 and like yelling at me. And I roll down my window. This is a true story. I still don't know why this happened. He goes, hey, you get Spock plugs. And I was like, pardon me? Like what? Like what? <laughs> like, what? And he's like, Spock plugs. And he holds up a spark plug. And so I pretended to look around me like I'm looking for change. And I was like, no, I, I, I don't. And he just went, yes, he went, oh, rad. And then he showed that. <laughs> that, was, that was the whole interaction. That was the whole interaction. Okay? Shaken. I come into church, okay? I come into church that day. And I can't believe I never told the spark plug story. Yeah, it's just I've been sitting on it for a long time. It's good to get it off my chest. I, it was probably your uncle. I, saw, I, I, I come to church, and, and, and I, I remember just immediately um, falling in love with New Hope Leeward. And, and for me, it, it wasn't uh, pastors. It wasn't the vastness of the vision. It wasn't the building or the big stage or the lights for me, um, and it still is, it, it's always just been people. Like people are what makes this church and what has made this church great and what will continue to make this church great. I would have never written my story this way. I would have never written a story in which I become a pastor, let alone a pastor on the west side of the island, but I am so glad that God did. And this year I make uh, 10 full years on staff at this church. Yeah. Yeah. And even more than that, we make 20 years as a church. You can give another hand to that, 20 years. We're going to celebrate that in a couple weeks. And in a lot of ways, it just feels like we're getting started as a church. Would you say amen to that? 
I'm 38 years old, so I got like 50 more good years in me left, and trying to imagine me at 80 wearing skinny jeans, gross, but you know, I might try. It's not an accident that I'm here, and what I want you to understand is this, it's not an accident that you are here either. Pastor Wayne Cadero, who's like the spiritual father of this church, he, he once said this in a sermon, and it's always stuck with me. He said, you could have been born in any other place, and you could have been born in any other time. Acts uh, 17, 25 through 26. We're just going to pop over there real fast. We're not going to spend a ton of time here. But it says this, he himself, this is God, gives everyone life and breath and everything else. From one man, he made all the nations that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. Consider that last part. He marked out their appointed times in history, meaning on the timeline of humanity, okay? So we have Adam and Eve, and the timeline goes on for we don't even know how long that's going to go for. But on the timeline of man, God could have placed you anywhere. He could have placed you in the early stages of man. He could have placed you around the time of Noah or the time of Moses, like Pastor Art when they wrote the Ten Commandments. He could have placed you a little bit later, time of Jesus 300, 800, 1700. He could have placed it, uh, placed you in a time in which your time as a human had already come and gone and you've already returned to the earth. He could have placed you in a time that had not even happened yet, but for whatever reason, you are right here. Not only did he mark out your appointed time in history, but also the boundaries of your lands, meaning not just in any other time, but any other place as well. Australia, the Philippines, Sweden, Seattle, Utah, Maine, it's a great big wide world out there, and you could be anywhere, and yet you're here. And I know with online service, I know that here can mean a lot of different things, but you're here with us as a church. The point is this, none of you are by chance. None of this just happened. You're not a, you're not a random uh, amount of molecules just smashed together in this one rock floating in the middle of space. If you're taking notes, you can write this down. You exist here and now for a purpose. So here and now, in this place and time, you, your life, you exist for a purpose. There's a reason that you breathe right now, a reason that your heart beats in your chest. There is a reason that you have been placed here within this church. And one of the biggest lies that you can believe from the enemy is that you don't matter. And what you do and what you say and how you spend your time, that none of it matters tricks you into mediocrity and doing the bare minimum. And these last years, I mean, if we're to be really honest, these last years haven't been very kind to our faith, and it hasn't been very kind to the church. I mean, every church has been affected by COVID and the shutdowns and the mandates and all that, and we don't need to get into that. I feel like we're past that, but I, I want to tell you the state of not just New Hope Lear, but the state of the church right now. Locally and nationally in, in 2020, uh, when most churches went online, uh, most congregations split into thirds. So a third went online, a third came back in person when the doors reopened, and then a third 
just kind of fell off the map and disappeared. And every church, this is not just here in Hawaii, people I talk to, but also on the mainland, almost every single church experienced this. And now here we are in 2023, returning to somewhat normalcy. And um, most churches, including ours, have seen a faithful group online, and we do. We have about 700 to 1,000 people that join us online every single weekend. We have those of you here in person, there's about six to 700 of you. I know some of you bounce back and forth between online and in person, that's totally fine. But overall, most churches, including ours, saw a 25% drop from where they were pre-COVID in 2019, which you can do the math that affects volunteerism and tithing and all that. And I'm not telling any, any of this to you to make you feel bad or to paint a really negative picture because when we were worshiping together today, it is very, very clear that our Jesus is very much alive. Would you say amen? amen? And I believe there is something stirring, but I think it's important that you know where the church currently is. I think there are many of us, including myself in some ways, that stepped onto the sidelines of our faith in the last couple of years. Because let's be honest, many of us felt like, including me, we were keeping our, barely keeping our head above water every single day. And so many of us, we did put our purpose on pause. And I feel very strongly going into this next year that this is going to be the year that you step back into your purpose. This is going to be the year, and this is the beautiful thing about our God. Even if you feel like you wasted the last couple years, you don't need to work, like work it off. That you pick up with God right where you left off. That this is the year that many of you discover or rediscover that you have a purpose and that you matter. And, and I know this is really morbid, but I, I know some people that, that lost, you know, lost people suddenly. I, we, I lost somebody last year or at the end of, uh, at the end of 2021, and I just lately I've been thinking a lot about, about death. And I've just been thinking about the fact, like every time I preach, I've been trying to tell myself, like I know it's really morbid, but like this could be the last sermon I ever give. It, it really could. This could be the, if I want, if I'm gonna say one more thing to our congregation, what do I want it to be? Because I might not be here next week. And I've, I've just been thinking about that a lot lately because you and I, we only get one shot at this. We don't get another life. We don't, we don't get to try again. We only get one shot at this. And you were made, let's just put it out there, you were made for more than to just pay bills and die. Would you say amen to that? <laughs> Praise God. Have you seen your Hawaiian electric bill uh, lately? Let me just ask this question. Who has solar? Who has solar here? Just raise your hand. Get out of here. I'm not talking to you, okay? <laughs> Those of you normal people like me, I, I'm going to do this, man. My, my next check that I'm going to send into Hiko, I'm going to write in the comment section, uh, Acts 820 at the bottom, and I want them to look it up. And what they're going to see is, may your money perish with you. And that's what, <laughs> just kidding. Don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. I might. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. What am I talking about? You, you, you matter. You matter. Stop letting the enemy tell you that you don't matter. Stop letting him trick you into a boring life. You exist here and now for a purpose. And I want you to go into this year understanding that. And it's not that you figure it out all in January and you get it all wrapped up. This is something that you and I, it's a process as we go through this year. And there are so many points in last year, I just felt like I was grinding through the year. 
just putting my head down and gritting my teeth. And it's one thing after another, after another, after another. I don't want to do that again this year. And I know neither do you. So what are we here for as a church? Here's our vision at New Hope Leeward. We can put it up. I think a lot of us could recite it by heart, but we're going to say it uh, nice and loud if you want to look at the screens. Ready? Go. We exist to love God, reflect his light, and change the world. And next week, we're going to talk about reflecting light. The week after, we'll talk about changing the world. Then we'll celebrate 20 years as a church at the end of January. Today, I want to talk about loving God. So why do we start here in our vision to love God? This is where Jesus told us to start. If you have your Bible, Matthew 22, 34 through 39, we'll spend a little time here. We'll kind of take it piece by piece. Verse 34. Hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together. One of them, an expert in the law, tested him with this question. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? So before the days of social media arguments and you know, rap battles, thoughts and ideas and arguments were shared and they happened in the public square. And so after seeing Jesus shut down one group of religious leaders, the Pharisees get ready to step up and they ask him, which commandment is the greatest of all? And this was to be a trap question. This was going to be a question that was going to trap Jesus. The Pharisees had 613 different laws in all. Most had to do with don't do this, don't do this, don't do this. So for Jesus to say this one is most important, surely he would neglect some other very important laws. Now look at verse 37. And Jesus is so cool, man. He doesn't, he doesn't walk into the trap. Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. So let's talk about that. To love God with your heart. That is to love God with your emotions. To genuinely love him, to long to spend time with him and serve him and bless him the way we would do for somebody that we love here on earth. But when our hearts fail and our emotions are not in it, you and I have a soul. Now think about this. A heart can be divided, a mind can be divided, but a soul cannot be divided because the soul is who you are. It's who you are when nobody is looking. It transcends public personas and performance. It it speaks to who we really are deep down inside. The soul is sincere. You can't fake the soul. The mind is the decisive part of us. So the mind takes what the heart wants and who the soul is, and it puts it into practical action. And action is important to Jesus. John 14, 15, he says, if you love me, keep my commands. There's no other way to interpret that. There's no other way to look at that and be like, well, he really meant this. If you love me, keep my commands. And so these verses, to love God with all your heart, soul, and mind, these should be taken to mean you love God with your whole self. Nobody wakes up in the morning and says, well, I'm going to love God with my heart today, and tomorrow I'm going to love God with my mind. It just means to love God with every heart that you are. This is the first and greatest commandment. He goes on, verse 39. Now, they didn't ask for what the second greatest commandment is, but Jesus gives them a bonus right here, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. 
All the law and prophets hang on these two commandments, meaning you can take all 613 of your laws, every single one of them, and you can fit them under one of these two commandments, to love God with all that you are or love your neighbor as yourself. If you do these too well, you don't got to worry about the other 613. So what does this mean for you and I present day? This one professor put it this way, and this quote made me very uncomfortable, so I wanted to share it with you to make you uncomfortable too. It says this, this truth means that every closet of our lives needs to be opened for cleaning, and every relationship in our lives must be influenced. This call to love God this way destroys any option of being one person at church and another person on a date. What you do on the internet needs to be just as pure as what you do in Bible reading. The way we talk to our parents needs to be as wholesome as the way that we talk to our pastors. And, and, and honestly, if that quote doesn't make you uncomfortable, then I'm more worried for you than someone who feels convicted right now. Because I think we all struggle with this. But it comes down to why you and I are here in the first place. And so if you're taking notes, you can write this down. This is literally, this is why you exist in, in one sentence right here. You exist to love God and bring him glory. That's it. That's the only thing that you are here on earth to do. And if, if, if that feels daunting to you, if that makes you feel a little bit guilty or unworthy, would you please understand this? And this is very, very important. If your mind is going into checklists now of everything that you got to do and you actually got to do your Bible in a year plan this year, otherwise God's going to be really mad at you. If that's kind of where your mind starts to go, would you understand this? You are not, uh, you, you are, sorry, you are responding to a love that has already been given. So you're not loving God so that he then loves you back. You cannot earn a love that scripture says has already been lavished on you. Would you say amen, church? You're not trying to earn the Father's love. You're not trying to work yourself into his good graces because his grace is already good. But when you and I get motivated at the beginning of the year, and, and everybody's motivated right now, it's a good thing. Like, they're, like let's just, let's, Let's call it what it is. Some of you that you've been coming to church last year, a little bit harder to find parking this morning, amen? And you're like, oh, those, it's the new year. I said the same thing yesterday. I said the same thing yesterday. I went to the Croc Center and uh, to swim with my kids. Sure enough, gym was popping off, man. There were so many people there. And this is what happens at the beginning of the year. And I think the thing that we lack the most or that I lack the most, the guy who's failed countless New Year's resolutions is that the thing that I lack most is often patience. It's patience. It's doing the same thing over time and, and waiting for things to change. Like, for real, I, I, I know I make jokes. I know I make a, a ton of jokes and I use my stomach as a prop, but for real, you guys, I wanna, like, I wanna get in shape. I really do. Some kid called me uncle the other day and I realized it's because I have an uncle body. You know what I mean? It looks like... It looks like I just pound beers in the garage. I don't, you guys. It's cheese. It's all cheese, I promise. And, and I just, I really, I really want, I'm more motivated this year than last year. My wife asked me last year, hey, you want to go on a diet? You want to work out? And I said I would. And this is my favorite joke ever, and I tell it every year. I said I would, 
but Leviticus 3.16 uh, says, all the fat belongs to the Lord, okay? <laughs> and I'm just trying to give the Lord more of what's his, you know, I'm just trying, I just want to honor him. And so I, I, I really do, I really want to. And the thing that I lack, it's, it's patience. If I could, if I could just work out once or twice or like a week or a month and, and see immediate change, if I could work out a couple of times and look like Pastor Justin, which I don't know if you've noticed this, but now when he goes through doors, he's got to turn sideways <laughs> because he can't just fit normally anymore. You know, Jesus' uh, yoke is light, but his yoke is heavy. Would you say that? Okay. <laughs> I had one more, but I can't remember it now. Hopefully I'll get it next service. Um, oh yeah, he's filled with the swolly spirit. That was it. Okay, good. Um, if I could just work out, like if I could just work out and just see results immediately, I mean, I would have, I think any of us would have no problem doing it. But oftentimes I am impatient and impatience gives way to discouragement, which then gives way to apathy. And it's the same thing. It's exactly the same with our faith. We go through this every single January. And so I wanna, I wanna say something that, that really no, no pastor probably should ever say, but I just, I think it's a year that let's just be honest with each other. Sometimes, sometimes loving God feels like a grind. It does. Sometimes you do not want to go to church. Maybe you didn't want to this morning. Some days you don't feel like reading your Bible or praying or going to an Ohana group. Like some days, you don't want to do those things. And let's even say this, some days you're going to do them and you're not going to feel any better. You might do them for a couple weeks. You might even do them for a couple months and, not, and just not feel any better or feel any closer to God. But, but just like with working out, there is health that happens below the surface that will eventually make its way to the top. When you follow and love the Lord with all that you are, there is a work that he is always doing below the surface, even if you do not see it or feel it. Would you say amen? Always, always. And even in the times that you sin and you fall and you feel terrible and it breaks your heart, that is still God at work. Why? Because that's a sin that maybe didn't break your heart before. You and I, we get really motivated in our faith. We, we, we do. We download the Bible app. We do the whole thing, and, and we, we lose it around February or March. And so I just want to tell you, when, when you lose it in your heart, keep going in your soul. Even if you start to, to falter in your soul, keep going in your mind. And understand that even when it feels like you're grinding and you feel like you're not seeing any change, that our God is always at work. And I do believe, and this has just been, I'm just sharing with you like all my personal prayers for this year, is I just wanna be a little more surrendered this year than I was last year. To, to, to give God your heart and your soul and your mind, it's something that you gotta do over and over and over again. And I just wanna be a little bit more surrendered this year than I was last year. And I want this year, I do, and I know you do as well, I want this year to be different than it was last year. And in many ways, I already feel like it is. You exist to love God and bring him glory. 
And that, that's the main reason that we gather together as a church on the weekend. And sometimes, you know what? You falter all week. And there's this feeling when you get to Sunday that God doesn't want to see my face. Can I just speak to that now? That is a lie from the pit of hell. That our God rejoices when you walk into church. That angels rejoice when a sinner repents and turns from their sin. So if some weeks, if all you can do is drag yourself into church, then good would you do that. That is why we gather together. We want to see you fall more in love with Jesus and understand how loved you are by him. And so we do this in person, and we're going to keep doing it. Gathering together is always going to matter as a church. And now, as you saw in that video, and going forward, we're going to continue and keep doing this online. And our heart for those of you that are online is that you would receive the same excellent experience online as you would in person, that you can be a part of the living, breathing body of Christ without ever stepping foot into our building, or maybe stepping foot into our building only sometimes. And that's not meant to be some controversial statement. We've seen it happen this past year. We baptized people that were exclusively online. I've met people that live in other places of the world, and then they come to visit our church, but they watch online every single week. I got to dedicate a baby last week right after service from from a neighbor island. They watch online. We've seen testimonies. We've seen life change happen. We've seen people receive Christ in their living room. We've seen kids come into church and they light up when they come into our church because they see our children's ministry uh, leaders who they've been watching on the TV. And so immediately they think we're all celebrities, which is really great, (laughs) but they feel like they're home. Like your kids feel like they, they already know us before they even spend time with us. My point is this, before COVID, and I thought this way, before COVID, online service was like, it was like diet church. Like it's like church, but really there's not gonna be as much of a benefit for you. It's kind of like lesser church. And I think what, what COVID did in, in, in all of its destruction, but one thing that it did is it, it removed the guilt of attending church online. And I'm not hungry to bring that back. I'm actually glad it's gone because I think it's an opportunity for those of you that live far to engage. I think it's an opportunity for those that are sick that weekend or are immunocompromised to still engage with our church. I think it is good for single mothers and struggling new parents and those who work on weekends that it's just an opportunity for people to connect into our church. I went to uh, this this birthday party and there was all these, uh, these other pastors there and other leaders and this elder came up to me during the party and he asked me, he said, so how are we gonna get everybody back into church? And like an idiot, I just, I spouted, I was like, we're not. And he looked at me like, you're insane. Like, what are you doing? (laughs) He looked at me like, what's wrong with you? Um, Our goal is to not just get everybody back, shove them all back into the building. We've done that before. We we made a big idol out of it. Us pastors, I'll get get a little saucy since it's the beginning of the year. Us pastors, we loved big rooms and everybody laughing at our jokes and amening and all that. In a a moment, it was all stripped away. It was great. It was great. It was so bad for all of our egos. It was so great. (laughs) And we're we're not hungry 
to go back to the way we did things before. If anything, I, I think we have a responsibility. This is me personally, so I'm not speaking to any other church that's doing something else. Us personally, we feel this responsibility that we're not just gonna go back to the way we did church before. Pouring all of our time and effort and energy. We used to do eight services, all of our energy into running eight services every single weekend. Cattle call, we call bring you in, we throw you out. And that's how we did it for a, years and years and years and years. And we're not hungry to go back to that because we know that filled rooms does not equal life change. And we know as a church, we know this, we, we, we are here for so much more. We're here for so much more. I wanna, I wanna look at this, this, this one last scripture and, and we're gonna go through it really fast. I, ironically, this is the scripture that's been used to guilt people back into the building. Okay, this is Hebrews 10 Uh, 24 and 25. It says, and let us consider how we may spur one another, move one another on toward love. So love to the Lord, love to others, to love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day or Christ's return approaching. So gathering, this is a verse that was used a lot. Gathering together, okay? I'm, I'm gonna share with you kind of my interpretation of, of what this means. And if you interpret it differently, that's fine. I still love you. But I think to take this verse, gathering together, not giving up meaning together, to take this verse and to just pin it to everybody showing up on a weekend for one hour, listening to me talk, and then going home is a very narrow interpretation of this verse. This means doing life together, eating together, doing faith together, sharing what is going on in your life together. And so I I still believe this, and this I wholeheartedly believe this. Somebody who attends church online and faithfully joins an Ohana group, a small group on Zoom, is more connected and more living out the Bible's mandate to gather than somebody who just shows up to church and doesn't talk to anybody and leaves. Point is this. I'm not saying that to make anybody feel bad. This is, this is the point. You can go to church and still neglect the gathering of the saints. You can. And you can be online and you can still fulfill it. It really depends actually what we do outside of this hour. The writer says, let us consider how we spur one another uh, toward love and good deeds, meaning there's a purpose. We'll talk about this more next week. There's, there's a purpose that you have here within this church that isn't for anybody else. There is a reason that you are here. And it's not, praise the Lord, it is not to just hear me talk. You are not here so that I did all my study all week and then I share with you like what I learned Like, and then we sing together 15 minutes and we go, you are here for so much more than that. And so if you're taking notes, you can write down this last point. It's the thing about purpose. Purpose is discovered within community. If you think about purpose and identity, it's it's, it's not discovered on our own. And so you and I, we're not just meant to do this life with the Lord and then one day we go and we be with him forever. That purpose is actually discovered among people. And so if, you would, uh, if you're here in person, if you're online, I'm gonna ask you to bow your heads with me and I'm gonna ask you to do something similar that we did, uh, that we did last week.
and we're all gonna do this, and so you don't need to feel weird. I'm just gonna ask you if you're, if you're at home, if you're here in person, if you just put your hands like this in front of you, just, just open palm, just right in front of you like this. I'm doing it with you. And this right here, we, we, we do this in worship a lot of times, and, and this is, before it is a, a posture of receiving from the Lord, this is first a posture of surrender. For you and I can't really receive anything from God if our hands are clenched tight. And so, Lord, I I pray that this posture right here, Lord, that this would be the posture that we hold this year. That our lives, our time, would be open towards you. None of us are gonna breathe our last one day on our hospital bed wishing that we watched more TV, spent more time on social media. None of us are gonna think that. We have a finite amount of time. As scripture says, teach us to number our days. You may give us a heart of wisdom, Lord. And I pray, Lord, above all this, that you would just fill us with this anticipation that this year, it's gonna have some lows. I'm sure it will. It'd be irresponsible to say that we won't. It'll have some difficult moments. It'll have some great ones too. And we know that in every single moment, Lord, you're gonna be with us. And in the moments that we're worshiping together and feeling your presence and the moments that we cry in our car and ask, Lord, where are you? It is in all of those moments that, Lord, you meet us. And God, that you're working and that you're moving. And so we surrender our lives to you. Would we be a little more surrendered this year than we were last year? There is so much talent in this room. There is so much that is to be offered to the kingdom. And so God, would you speak to us individually of what that is? What is that next step for us? Is it stepping into an Ohana group and knowing people and being known by people? Is it serving? Is it reading scripture? Is it smiling at our neighbor? Is that where we're gonna start, Lord? What what is that next step for us? And I pray that we would walk straight into it boldly. We love you, God. Our lives are yours. We are yours. And we pray this in Jesus' name. And we all say together, church, amen, amen, amen. amen. We hope you were blessed by this weekend sermon. If this is your first time joining us, we welcome you to check out our website, newhopeleeward.org, to learn more about us and how you can get connected into our ohana. We hope you'll join us again soon.